Okay, with Peter Gardner, Adventures with the Caretaker is the animation short film played at the Feedback Animation Film Festival. It's 25 minutes for, for an animation short, which is which is a marathon, which is an epic uh, animation short film, but it really works. My first question to you, which relates to your film, is that do you believe in the Bigfoot? Uh, sure. I You know, anything's possible. <laughs> so I believe that anything's possible. I have never seen the, him. I have, you know, like Uncle Charlie in the film. Never had the pleasure, but um, uh, sure, I believe that anything's possible, and it's it's very uh, possible that all those creatures are out there. I was there is a film that a feature film called Unverified that played at our festival like same time as you, and I watched your films at the same on the same day. So I've never seen a film about Bigfoot, and I saw two films about Bigfoot on on the same day that got submitted to us. So yeah, I, I kind of hear about the Bigfoot. I, I heard a little bit about the, I heard a little of the interview from the director and I'm like, oh, another Bigfoot film. So yeah, there you go. Well, go watch uh, Harry and the Hendersons from 1987 <laughs> to complete the trifecta. So there you go. John Lithgow, <laughs> right? One of his great best friends. John boys. Lithgow. Nice guy. <laughs> they made it into a TV show too, right? Uh, they did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I, in my youth, I wrote a spec script for it. Um, I can't remember how far it got, but I think I've actually written uh, an episode of that show unofficially so there you go that's amazing okay so you wrote the screenplay uh what was the process when you're writing the screenplay when you came up with the idea was it always to be animation was it always going to be made into a film no it, it you know it's a really interesting story i this started as a live action feature that i wrote are you ready for this 35 years ago wow. uh and it wound up at 20th century fox and john candy was attached to play the caretaker uh, it was a little different in the animated version. If your listeners haven't seen it yet, uh, it's two kids. In the original live action version, it was two college age kids. Uh, but the character is kind of the same. The boy was going cut through kind of this existential crisis of what he was going to do. And they hook up with Uncle Charlie, who was going to play by John Candy. And it was a big Amblin esque uh, film, which, you know, those were very popular. We're talking now in the early 90s when this yeah. was happening. Then John Candy, of course, passed away very suddenly and tragically, and it was very sad. And then as these things kind of did, they, they, they shopped it around to some other actors uh, in the day. Uh, I remember they mentioned Robin Williams and Dan Aykroyd, who was making films. But it was kind of known as the John Candy Project at that point. And it was uh, it was it kind of, you know, fizzled out as some of these projects do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they were shopping it to some big directors. I remember Joe Dante and Chris Columbus being mentioned. And it was going to be a big film at Fox, and uh, it didn't happen. Um, so uh, went around and pitched it, and uh, a, a couple of people throughout the time we were doing that were saying, you should do this as an animated thing for kids. And I was kind of like, huh, well, it's kind of a live action thing. But that kind of grew on me. And I would say about eight years ago or so, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, this would make a great series. And I think it would be a great thing for kids as an animated project and so i started to take the original script and uh break it down and retool it and i wrote the pilot which was essentially the first act of the live action screenplay reimagined and then the oh, second wow. episode which has been the second episode which has been written and recorded is the second act and the third episode which has been written and recorded is the third act of the screenplay so and we have more it's been recorded but you're, you haven't animated it yet we haven't started the process of animated yet. I mean, I, I used the, uh, you know, my own financing to do the first episode. Now we're looking for somebody else to foot the bill. 
Gotcha. But then you're going to put them, the three of them together and it's going to be a feature film, I guess, right? Either or. I mean, we'd love it to be a series or they are designed, the first three episodes, to be combined to be a feature film. So we're marketing it as you could do it as a series or a feature film. Um, and, you know, we're getting some interest from distributors. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's got a, it's got a, like, it's, it's a perfect uh, kids movie venture story. I can see now, as soon as you had John Candy in my head, I can see it. I can see that, like, that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a classic 90s uh, kids movie, adventure movie, right? Like in that kind of realm. Right. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, he would have been wonderful. He was at a time where he was branching out and doing some films that weren't necessarily comedies. He had done a film at 20th Century Fox called Only the Lonely with Maureen O'Hara. That's a good movie. And, yeah, very good movie. And he's great. You know, he's a wonderful actor. I mean, if you look at Planes, Trains and Automobiles, Brilliant. what a great performance that is. And I mean, not just comedically. I mean, the dramatic stuff he handles wonderfully. So, uh, you know, he lives on forever and uh, it was great. But um, it's so I'm so delighted at the reception this film has been got you've been getting. And uh, to tell this story after 35 years and just see everybody reacting to it the way they are. Um, and that brings me to the fact that your reaction video from the people that saw it in the eight and nine minute uh, thing I got, that brought tears to my eyes. I was just so moved by the way they responded to it and how intelligent and articulate they were. So uh, if you're in touch with any of those people, tell them I thank them from the bottom of my heart. It was just wonderful. It made my Labor Day weekend for sure. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing to hear. That's like, because it, it, what, what it tells me and when I watched it, when it tells you hopefully is that it crosses generations. It's like, it's a movie for everybody, I guess, right? I That was our intention. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, we're kind of marketing as a kid's film, but as one of your viewers said it, she says, this is a, you know, it's made for kids, I presume, but I liked it and I want to yeah. see more. And I said, that's it. That's exactly what we were going for. So hopefully it's just something families can watch together and, and uh, you know, everyone will enjoy. So it's for everyone. And it's the reveal, right? The reveal of like where it's that it's because when you're watching it, and you know, it's a kid's movie tone wise, but you're kind of wondering, like, is something sketchy going on? <laughs> like, like you really kid, don't know. Yeah. And, yeah. Charlie, Uncle Charlie, the caretaker is yeah. nutty. Uh, and but as you go along, you you know, just like uh, through the eyes of the uh, lead character, Tommy, the little yeah. boy, Tom, uh, you, you're learning to trust the caretaker a little bit more. And, you know, uh, Tom is extremely doubtful. And 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 I think that a lot of the viewers are, too. And they kind of get that. But um I can personally vouch for the fact that uh, Charlie's a good guy. <laughs> no, no, it's just that, you know, like, but there's certain role actors, you, you mentioned John Candy, like Christopher Lloyd comes to mind too, where like, he just, he can be zany and crazy, but you kind of trust the character. He's got that, um, that, that trust on his face, right? Like, yeah, so, he's guessing he doesn't cross the line of crazy and zany and you don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. You trust them, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Though it's important for this film, and then, then, then of course the reveal is is the Bigfoot, I guess, right? Where where it's like, where are we going? It's like, and then all of a sudden it it, it sets off like a whole new film, right? Where it's like it's like a discovery of this 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 world that this this fan is like almost like a fantasy, like you kind of change genres in a sense, right? Where a little becomes, bit, uh, yeah. but hopefully it's you know it's a lot like I described it as a fantasy and adventure, but. Hopefully it's grounded enough in reality that you're going to believe it. I mean, I don't think it's so far out there. Uh, the idea is that, as we hint in, is that there's a lot of uh, otherworldly things going on. But hopefully 
um, you're going to believe it that, you know, it could happen, but it is a fantasy and an adventure. Um, and, uh, you know, we had setting up to do in the first episode and all I will tell you about like episode second, uh, the second episode and the third episode, it gets even more exciting and, and it just takes off from there. So, uh, looking forward to ho to getting it made and everybody seeing those as well. Is like the Loch Ness monster going to make an appearance or? Well, as, as they say at the end of episode one, they're, they're off, uh, Nessie has a cold and they're off to take care of that. And so that's the next adventure. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if I want to want to disclose what the third adventure is, but it's in the, it's in the short description on the website. So there you what go. Are we, what are we missing? What's the other legend, I guess? Uh, uh, okay. I'll tell you, it's the abominable snowman. Okay. So, <laughs> and of course, as Kim would say, the other character, uh, you know, you don't want to call him abominable. He's a sweet guy. So, um, <laughs> and that will be, uh, you know, there's an, I don't want to give away why they're going to see it, but there's always a reason why Charlie's going, not just to go take care of them and feed them, but, you know, they have, uh, you know, in the film, he scans Bigfoot and makes sure that his health is okay. And, um, there's going to be a lot of that, but a lot of surprises along the way. I think this one has some nice surprises too. The animators, I can't say enough about them. Uh, Space Animation Studio out in India just did a wonderful job. I was and, just going to uh, get, I was just going to touch on that. So, okay. So then you wanted, like, it's sort of like, it's, it's not 3D animation. What kind of, what, what's the best describe, describe animation? I think it's 2D animation. 2D, and we were, is it like hand, yeah, not hand-drawn, but it's kind of like a little bit of computer? It's what it is is original, and um, I what that's what I wanted because I knew yeah. if it was if it was Disney or Pixar, it would just be look like another or an imitation of that. It would just look like another one of those. And I wa wanted something, and I, what I told them was a cross between anime and Disney, somewhere in the middle there, and something a little original. And I think that's kind of the look we got. I loved it, and I, I just didn't know how everybody was react to it. Fortunately, the feedback we're getting is that everybody's talking about how beautiful the animation is and how great it looks. And um, I, I, they have just done a wonderful job. You know, listen, I'm the director of the project, but I am so grateful and thankful to everybody else that's involved to it. And I think they're so a part of the success and that is space animation. My wonderful cast who happen to be professional actors, but very good friends of mine. Uh, and that's uh, Tim Hodgen, Amber Avila's, uh, Danny Flood and Isaac Robinson Smith. Uh, Tom Jello uh, did the wonderful sound design, the selection of the music, and uh, a lot of the artwork that you're seeing, the posters and so forth. And it's just been such, so instrumental project. So I've got a lot of good people around me. As Uncle Charlie says in the in the film, I get by with a little help of from my friends, which I think was a musical quote somewhere along the way. Was yeah, it not, Matt? <laughs> not yeah. But Uncle Charlie, are you are you a baseball fan by any by any chance? Because it's that's a that's a uh, curveball in the baseball he, lingo. Uh, yeah, but what, 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 Uncle, how is Uncle Charlie connected to baseball? It's a that's what you call curveball when you play baseball. When as a kid or growing up, they call it like you have an Uncle Charlie. Like Kershaw, you're in Los Angeles, has an Uncle Charlie. They call it a curveball. I, I had no idea, yeah. and. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, Amber Avila is like the biggest Dodger fan in the world. So she's ashamed at me right now. if She's listening to that, that I didn't know it. So oh, that's perfect. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, Am. <laughs> no problem. So, okay. So tell me what the, okay. So tell me about the process. So you want to turn this in the animation film. What do you do when you reach out to the studio who's going to do it for you? Do you have everything storyboarded? Like what's your process as a director to get the tone and the, and the shot shot list down for yourself? 
well, it took us a while to get to Space, who was always there and kind of emailing me and really wanted the job. And I tried out some other, you know, avenues. And there was a, some other people that did do some storyboards and some character designs. Uh, but then Space did it. And um, as far as I know, we didn't do any storyboards. If they did it, they did it internally. It was literally the process was this. They had a script that I had written that was descriptive. And then I would uh, send them uh, some instructions to go along with it. And they animated a minute at a time. They would send a minute to me. I would tell them, okay, correct this. I need this. Would change this. Uh, you know, they're obviously working off an audio track with the actors already recording, uh, which is standard, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, then I would get the, you know, the, the revisions back. We changed some more. There were some interesting, uh, because they were in India, like, for example, in the script that says uh, Charlie approaches the cave and he's carrying a torch. Well, they thought it was flashlight because that's what they call a torch. So yeah. there was a little bit of that. Also, sometimes the truck is driving on different sides of the road because in India you're driving on the other side of the road and we couldn't get it quite right. We kept going back and forth and the, couldn't get the truck right. And we were all getting confused. And I finally uh, texted Amber Ovulas and said, can you give me a line that just says wrong side of the road, Uncle Charlie? So there's that shot where he's on the wrong side. And instead of having space animation redo it, I just had Amber say that line. So it was a minute at a time. And, uh, you know, the minutes would come back and then there was, you know, there's some things that happen in the, in the story, obviously, where I went, well, how are they going to pull it off? How are they going to do it? But they did it wonderfully, the climb up the mountain and, you know, very, of course, we're worried about the Bigfoot reveal, but it all started with some test footage I had of just the two kids, Tom and Kim walking. We didn't even have any backgrounds of the zoo or anything. And we got the character designs right. And then uh, they went ahead and did the background. So I believe it was one guy was doing the character design or one team was doing the character design. And then another team was doing the backgrounds. I think that's what their process was. So, so you said in the written blog, you started January 2020. Uh, obviously, something happened in March 2020. Uh, right. So how long did the film take you to complete? Uh, we just finished it two months ago yesterday. I mean, it's amazing. The final, you know, with the final music and the sound mix and everything, it was July 12th of 2022. So basically, two and a half years. yeah, two and a half years with the pandemic thrown in. Uh, and, um, you know, uh, and let me make it clear that us having our animated project delay was, is the least of the world's problems. I mean, sure. that was just such a tragedy. And, um, of what has happened, but um, we got through it and we got it done. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm repeating myself, but delighted at the reception that it's getting. And I, I know I speak on behalf of the cast and, and the crew. Uh, we are just thrilled. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like you said, it's been two months. So I guess you just went full throttle into the festival submissions and it's uh, it's doing well so far. I, it's amazing. I mean, I went on film freeway, which is, as I said, in the blog, it's, it's addictive. You know, you just start, I just start submitting all these festivals. And, you know, I um, have a friend of mine who, uh, John Fitzgerald, who's worked uh, as, as a producer with me on a couple projects. And he actually is one of the creators of the Slamdance Film Festival. And he consults on film festivals. So he knows the festival world, world very well. And he sent me a list of festivals. So I'm literally looking at um, his list. I'm looking at some other ones that were coming up and that were local. 
And then as silly as this sounds, I submitted it to some places that I thought would just be cool places to go or I like to visit. Sure. Like I'm like, oh, the Hawaii Film Festival. That sounds That's like a great thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, uh, it's been a kind of a learning curve in terms of the festivals and submitting and Film Freeway. Uh, your advice that you gave me today was great. Um, so it's, it's kind of the film festival world is kind of new to me. We're excited because we do have two theatrical screenings coming up on October 1st. We're at the uh, Glendale International Film Festival, and that'll be our first time seeing it on the big screen with an audience. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Make sure you're there because then you can see the the like you can see their energy and how, how they're experiencing your film. Oh, I'll, I'll be there for that. And then on October 15th, we're at the, I think this is the first year they're having at the Tarzana International Film Festival. Tarzana being a town in the San Fernando Valley out here in California. That screening is at a theater in Calabasas, which is where I grew up. So I'm contacting as many of my friends from high school as I can and posting it on Facebook pages, trying to get as many of uh, you know the high school gang out there for that screening. So that's going to be a lot of fun. That's coming up on October 15th. So when you're doing it, when it's a two and a half year battle uh, or because it is a battle to make your film and you said it didn't send the blog it will take you a few months. How was your mental state? Like, how were you feeling at the time? Like, were you like, was there any doubt that it wasn't going to get accomplished? Was there any like low points? Like, was there where it was like a like, what was the because what was the process? Because that's a long that's a long time. Um, there was a stress, there was a, you know, I don't want to go too much into the financing of it, but I did it on my own. So there was a financial stress to that, um, to some degree. Uh, and you know, I'm like, am I going to make it? Is it going to do it? And it was very much, it felt like all the things I've heard everybody else with live action features and, and independent financing, it was very much par for the course. And it, you know, the game gets a little stressful. You're dealing with the money and then we're going to be able to make, you know, make do with it. And, Sometimes space animation would send me, you know, a minute of animation. I was literally paying per minute. And, um, you know, I'm going, oh, that's two lines of a script. Are we going to get through this? Is this gonna... And, you know, I didn't know if it was going to run too long. I wanted 25 minutes. And as the running time, it came into 25 minutes and 12 seconds. So I was thrilled with that. So uh, the only uh, negative or stressful part of it was the financing, which I think is par for the course of any film. So is it worth it, I guess? And that, this present day, is it worth it so far? Absolutely. I mean, so far after two months, it's already because of the reception. Uh, it's been fantastic. Listen, I mean, obviously we want to monetize it and we want it to be combined, have the three episodes combined as a feature or even better, turn it into a series. Mm -hmm. um, but the fact that it has been embraced and everybody's reacting to it so well and again, I'm coming back to your nine minute video. That was a complete validation. When we saw, I saw complete strangers reacting to it and talking to it and wanting to see more. Uh, so well, let me just give a shout out to feedback. I mean, you guys, the <laughs> Feedback Film Festival, you guys, fantastic. And the communication and everything about it was just great. So it's a great festival. No, oh, I appreciate that. So yeah, I want, oh, to, not, I want to see the next, you, your, your offer, we got you, we will offer you your next two films whenever they're ready. We'll show up for sure. Well, that, that's great, Matthew. I'm, I'm working on a documentary right now. We're in pre-production. It's called It's Only a Movie Theater. And it's about not only great movie theaters, but uh, we'll be interviewing the people and their memories of them. And we'll be doing it from uh, you know regular people to hopefully a few famous people 
um, I've talked to some and they've loved the ideas. So, so it's going to be a feature. That's a good idea. Documentary feature, correct? Because it's a, it's a timely film for now, I guess, right? Because people are it, still people are still to come back to the theater, I guess, right? Well, that's it. We you know we actually shot some B roll during the pandemic, and uh, you know got some great footage of some theaters, and um, I, I got so busy with Adventures of the Caretaker that I haven't had to focus on it. But now the Adventures of the Caretaker is done. Uh, we're getting back to it. And um, it's, uh, it, you know, what's interesting because everybody's saying, oh, movie theaters are dead. Nobody wants to go. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nicole Kidman thinks otherwise, right? Uh, at the AMC theaters, I don't know if you have AMC theaters up there, but if you go to an AMC theater chain, there's this um, uh, two minute clip of Nicole Kidman <laughs> talking about movie theaters. It's been kind of a fun. Which is uh, funny because thing. her ex-husband, um, basically, you can argue that he saved the, the movie industry with the Top Gun movie, right? Brought, that's the movie that brought, historically speaking, that's the movie that that brought people back to the theaters, I guess, right? So I guess, yeah. I, well, I for me, I the Spider-Man, the, whatever Spider-Man film that was that came yeah. out a few months ago, that was... You know, it kind of came out at the same time as Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, which wasn't doing that well, at least box office wise. And and uh, but then Spider-Man came out and people definitely were coming, starting to go back. So, uh, you know, I people are coming back to the theaters for sure. And um, I saw I was just in a movie theater over the Labor Day weekend. Oh, I saw Jaws. Jaws was re-released uh, in 3D. So I went to go see that. And, you know, the theater was crowded and people are there and everyone's having a good time. So. The movie theaters are not dead and uh, everybody will always want that communal experience and seeing it on a big screen and munching your popcorn. And, you know, it's wonderful that we can see all these films at home and they're right at our fingertips. But, you know, you're going to want to go see things in a movie theater forever. Here's the thing, right? So it's an interesting question because you and I, I grew up like I remember seeing my first movie ever in a theater and falling in love with it. Do you remember? Yeah, it was uh, Max Dugan Returns. Oh, with uh, Matthew Broderick, written by Neil Simon. I realized 1983. And uh, who's the actor? Who's the from all the President's uh, Men? Jason uh, Robards. Plays Jason Max Robards, Dugan. yeah. Baseball yeah. movie. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, so, but I remember falling in love with the with the theater and going, oh, this is amazing. You can watch these, like, these uh, screens. But then Save My Kids, for example, they're they're gonna fall in love with like streaming services, right? Watching Paw Patrol mm-hmm. for two hours. You know what I mean? So that that that's how they're gonna fall in love with storytelling. So it's an interesting kind of like I mean general, of course, but it's an interesting kind of like where the next generation, what they're what they're how they're gonna respond to the movie theater. If that makes any sense, uh, it's, it's I the first the, love, I, right? I, it's how you fall in love with someone for the first time. Yes, but I, I mean, I'm optimistic. I mean, I grew up with, you know, certainly I saw things on television. And of course, when I was growing up, we didn't have any video cassettes or anything like that. Um, and it was a big deal when a movie you saw in a theater would play on the ABC Sunday night movie. And, you yeah. know, there was the Poseidon adventure in your home. It was amazing. And now, of course, right behind me, as you're interviewing me, there's a bookshelf filled with all my favorite movies in a great format, Blu-ray. And then, the, you know, the right aspect ratio and they're all there. But I still want to go see things in a movie theater and have that big screen yeah. experience. I will admit that I don't go maybe quite as much, uh, but I think that's just a, a thing of maybe getting a little bit older. And I don't, you know, just don't, it's not as convenient, but I still love to go. And my friends I know love to go. And yeah. um, I think that there's a 
uh, really, honestly, a certain magic about seeing a movie in a movie theater uh, uh, that will never go away. So the last point, question I want to ask you, because you mentioned that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is the movie you've seen the most times in your life, which is funny because I just watched that film for the first time ever two weeks ago with my with my kids. Never How seen did the movie you like before. it? How did you like it? I, I, I thought it was it was like a two act film. I was like break because I'm like I'm I'm a I'm a storytelling nerd, so I was like, oh, it's a two act it's two act structure, right? So, but you're right. But I was into it. I was like, okay, I, you can see where it's going, but that's not really the point, I guess, right? But it was like, so you didn't even know that you didn't know the story. You hadn't seen the Tim Burton version. Never saw Tim Burton film. Knew nothing about it. Just I I've heard the Golden Ticket, of course, but because that's like a pop culture reference, but right. I never. I never saw the movie before, so I was into it. Well, listen, I have a golden ticket signed by all the original kids and the film's director, Mel Stewart. So that's how much I'm into Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's one of my favorite films because I saw when it came out, I was eight years old and, you know, fell in love with it. I'd already loved the book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, by old doll, looking forward to the film version and just loved it. And I, I still love it. I love its message. I love the songs. I love the way it's done. And Gene Wilder gives a performance for the ages. That's just one of the greatest performance ever uh, in a film, I think. And um, it's one of those films. David Lynch, the great director, has a wonderful line. Uh, he says, some films are like places that you just love to go to over and over again. Yeah. And he was, I think he was talking about The Wizard of Oz when he was mentioning that. So uh it, it's uh that's that's one of them i also mentioned raiders of lost ark and i love that as well but if they but my like so i have six-year-old and a three-year-old and they were into it they watched the whole film they were like you know like it was they were totally focused on on the film which tells you that that's what you want to make in a film you want to make an ageist ages, like a film that keeps on giving i guess right like no matter <laughs> Like well, here it is. 50, 51 years. It's 51 years old. And, yeah, you know, there it is. It's still touching your children. I remember going to a screening of The Sound of Music. They had re-released it as about 1989 and they released a 70 millimeter print of it. And of course, there's an intermission in The Sound of Music. And um, there was a, a mother and her little girl and the little girl seeing it for the first time. And the lights came up and the little girls all, oh, I want to be, uh, you know, and she was naming off the kids and the, which one she wanted to be and which one she identified with. And that's the magic of the movies. That's what makes a movie a classic, that they endure like that uh, and can touch us in movies. And I will say this, Matthew, that I think, I know your kids love the Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory when they watch it at home. They would have liked it even more if they saw it in the theater on the big screen. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. At least last time, the last movie they saw was Frozen 2. So, uh, <laughs> well, there you go, which was, you know, required viewing. So, there you go. And then, then Raiders, you, you said it's a tie. Raiders is the most popular answer uh, for the film they've seen. We've seen the most times in their life. It's the most popular answer people have. It's obviously oh. Gen X film, and uh, it's the film that kind of jump started, like Star Wars is in the mix, and then it kind of jump started the new generation of, of filmmakers, I guess, right? Uh, well, I mean, it was um, at a time when Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were at the peak of their popularity of kind of the fantasy adventure that, that they did. You know, Star Wars had come out in 1977. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was in 1981. And uh, it was just immensely popular. And they were, you know, they, what Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark was doing is just taking old serials and updating them in a new format. 
but brilliantly and with, you know, spectacular special effects and everything else. And Raiders just holds up as a great adventure film and a great Steven Spielberg film and everything else. I mean, I like the other Indiana Jones films, but just think Raider of the Lost Ark is the one truly great one. He knows how to capture the like Spielberg, right? Like first 15, 20 minutes. He knows how to how to how to how to grab our attention for sure. So he does. Yeah. And you know, he just uh, the trailer just dropped for his new film, The Fablemans, yeah. which is about him growing up which is just it's amazing that he made a film about himself uh i've met him nice guy a lot of fun you can joke around with him he doesn't take himself too seriously yeah oh that was a name drop there that's like that's like the ultimate name drop right there (laughs) oh well i didn't mean to do i didn't mean to drop a name but no 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 it's awesome it's like that's like if you drop someone on this podcast it would be spielberg right so well listen speaking of raiders um there i did there was a moment in my life where where, uh steven spielberg put the indiana jones hat on my head and watched me do my indiana jones imitation so that happened i was gonna get to that because you because you've done han solo in films before right the yeah, I, I, it was, I was in a short film called The Trial of Han Solo, where I played Han Solo, correct. Okay. So you can, so then, so he liked your, your impression of, of Indiana Jones? His reaction was very good. So there you go. He wasn't patronizing you? <laughs> Not at all. He, was, he, he had a big smile on his face when I was doing it. It was, it was a fun thing. But that, you know, that wouldn't have happened. He's the, that's the thing. You can joke around with them. I love what Dustin Hoffman said about him in the documentary they did on, uh, I think it was HBO. Celebrities wear it on their sleeves. Steven Spielberg is like a guy who works for Steven Spielberg, and that's kind of what he's like. Gotcha. All right, man. That's a good note to end it. I appreciate your uh, your, your conversation. What a great short animation film. It's going to do very well for yourself. And uh, let's Thank talk you, again. Matt. Either when you make your feature documentary about the movie industry or about the theaters or when you make your next film you know your chapter two of this film oh well matthew i can't thank you enough and i can't think uh thank the uh, feedback film festival enough and again your wonderful panel that sent me that wonderful video uh, uh, my thanks to each and every one of them i appreciate that one two three four five six seven eight shlemiel shlemazel